I did what every good millennial would do and I quit my job and I went traveling for half a year just to do some soul searching and I guess also with the intention to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. This is Chan with The Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Julia, welcome to the show. Hey, Max. Thanks for having me. I know you're from Germany. I've never been to Germany. So what's it like there? Well, I mean, I've been living here my whole life, but I've also been traveling quite a lot. So yeah, I do like it here. It's a really high standard of living, which is very nice. But also, I think some of the stereotypes that some people have about Germany hold really true concerning, you know, a lot of mentality of complaining, a lot of bureaucracy. So that's, well, interesting, challenging to deal with sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you said you lived uh, in Germany all your life. Did you ever consider like living abroad for a bit? Well, I mean, I spent several months at a time, like three to six months in different countries like South America and then Portugal lately. So yeah, that's been really super interesting. But I don't know. <laughs> I just end up here again after a while. So we'll see. <laughs> and tell me more about your professional background before we dive into what you currently do. So what did you do? I'm assuming you haven't always been a self-discovery coach, right? No, I haven't. My background is actually in business. So after school, I went to study business and then ended up working at well, a pretty big company here in Germany in the energy industry working in accounting. So, well, the quintessential office job, nine to five job, I guess. And yeah, I mean, from the outside, this seemed like an amazing job. You know, I was making great money. I was still early in my twenties, also like great benefits. I liked my colleagues a lot, but it just didn't feel like it on the inside. Like I honestly felt like I was just slowly dying every day and even just imagining doing this for another year, let alone until retirement, I just couldn't see myself do it. So well, I did what every good millennial would do and I quit my job and I went traveling for half a year just to do some soul searching and I guess also with the intention to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And yeah, I guess looking back, I really saw... Well, I did what so many people do after school. I had really no idea what I wanted to do. So my dad said, well, business is always a good idea. And then obviously you should go to uh, university and like study. And then I think it was actually one of my cousins that said, well, my company is hiring. Why don't you apply? So I did that. And that's how I ended up there. But it was really not something. Well, of course, I made the decisions. No one forced me to do it, but it wasn't really conscious a conscious way of going about what I wanted to do. So that's basically when I realized I actually had no clue what I wanted and what my dreams were. I was just following someone else's dreams and, well, living someone else's dream life, but it wasn't mine. So yeah, that's really when my focus shifted into figuring out not just what I wanted to do, but who I was to begin with, you know, like what are my values? How do I want my life to look like, my day to look like? And 
what does actually matter to me? And well, I guess that really propelled me into this self-discovery journey. I really dove into it. And eventually after some detours and some other odd jobs, well, I ended up doing what I do now, which is a self-discovery coach and then also being a yoga teacher. Yeah. So you obviously became interested in the topic of self-discovery for your own personal benefit. What made you want to do self-discovery work and help others as well? Well, just the fact that I had really no idea what my own identity was. You know, you grow up and it's more like you play or being put into these roles, like you're being a good student, you're being an athlete, you're being a friend, a daughter, well, all these roles. But I at least never took the time to really even think about who I am. Like, what does that mean? Like, what makes me? And so I really needed some time to figure that out and to then, yeah, just use that interest as well. Along the journey, I just found that it's not just me who feels that way. It's like a lot of people who never really consciously thought about those questions and answered them for themselves. So I just felt like self-discovery was really a missing part. It's like not something that we like grow up doing or that we learn in school. So I really saw a need there to fill that gap and help other people just live lives that are more authentic and true to who they really are, not just the roles that they've been placed in or that they put themselves in. So you've briefly talked about your challenges when it came to self-discovery and embracing who you truly are. You've now obviously worked with a lot of people. From your experience, from working with these professionals, what are some main challenges that they had to overcome in terms of self-discovery and embracing who they truly are? Of being yeah, judged for who they authentically are. We all want to fit in and we all want to be liked and be part of a community, like have those connections. That's absolutely normal. We all feel that way, but we're going to be judged no matter what. Like we cannot please everyone. That's never going to happen. So we might as well just accept that. And also, wouldn't you rather be liked for who you are instead of for who you're playing or pretending to be? So yeah, this is like something... You need, just need to accept that and then decide for yourself if like alienating a few people along the way for then being able to fully show up as yourself is worth it for you if you'd rather stay safe and stay comfortable and continue trying to please as many people as you can. Yeah. Yeah. And to add to that about the embracing who you truly are, but most people don't want to do it due to fear of judgment from others. What type of exercises that you do with your clients to help overcome the fear of judgment? Well, I would say, first of all, just start practicing being uncomfortable, really putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, consciously putting yourself in them, because that's a lot of what it is, just those this initial discomfort to overcome. And then also, once you start doing it and also once you well maybe with people who've known you your whole life or a longer period of time once you start well this can be especially hard like changing who they have known you to be to change that but a lot of times you can actually be surprised that they are not actually 
turned off by it or like alienated by it, but they still embrace you. They like, if they're really like, especially like friends and family, if it's like a genuine real connection, like they're not going to run away just because you're becoming more true to yourself. So usually that fear is bigger in our minds than it actually turns out to be in the real world. So yeah, just taking really small steps and yeah, that confirmation that you will get along the way can really help to then become more and more comfortable in that process. So for people who are listening and are not happy with their current uh, situation, whether it's career or personal, what are some initial steps in terms of starting the self-discovery journey that you recommend? I would always recommend just following your curiosity. So whether it's on this podcast episode, something that we talk about sparks your interest and you feel like, oh, I want to explore this more. I want to look deeper into it. Or you read something online or an article, someone else talks about something, whatever sparks your curiosity, follow that, have a look at that and just start there, you know, just start really small with one area, one topic. And then I always say, pay attention to your reactions and especially the more extreme reactions that you have. Like when you learn something new about yourself in particular, usually have reactions like, oh my God, I feel so seen. Like this is almost scary. How do they know that about me? How can this be so accurate? So very like affirmative, positive reaction. Those things are always really valid. But then when you have the opposite reaction as well, when you go like, this is not me, like, how dare they say that about me? How dare they assume this is how I am? So when you have like almost an emotional negative reaction to something that you learn about yourself, so a lot of resistance, those are also points that are really valuable to lean into and to look at that more deeply. Whereas when you have a more neutral reaction, like, yeah, whatever, like neither way really, then those are points you they're not really worth looking into much more, but the more extreme reactions, those are always good starting points to dive in deeper. Yeah, it's all about like exploring and finding what resonates with you and then double down on it, right? Yes, definitely. And just leave the rest. If it doesn't resonate, there's no need to force it. That's the beauty with the field of self-discovery. It's like there's so many systems and it's so huge. Like you could spend your whole life and you still wouldn't have gone through all the systems, I promise you. So if something doesn't resonate with you, that's okay. Just leave it and maybe find something else. Speaking of systems, for your practice and self-discovery, uh, we talked offline in regards to the systems that you use. And the three that you mentioned were Myers-Briggs, astrology, and then human design. So can you quickly, well, not quickly, like let's try to dive deeper into it, go over those three systems and how they work and how you implement them in your practice. Yeah. So those are three ones among others that I use, but that have personally just have had a huge impact on myself. So Myers-Briggs is probably the more, well, if you go into traditional self-discovery, also like career coaching, this has become much more mainstream and I would say personality types, but in different categories. So you're looking at, for example, if you're more introverted or extroverted, if how you're seeing the world, if you're more like logical, practical way of thinking or like 
creative, like free flowing way of thinking. So that's different categories. And what you can do, you just go online, you answer a bunch of questions. I'm not even sure how many, like a hundred probably. They have like statements and it's more like, I see myself there. I don't see myself there. I agree. I don't agree. And then varying levels of agreement or disagreement. And then in the end, come out with a type or more like an abbreviation of four or five letters. And then that is your type. And then you can read up all on the type, what that means. Also, depending on where you go, they have specific sections for how that plays out in the workplace, for example. So for listeners on this podcast, probably interesting, but also relationship-wise, even I think parenting styles, how that's going to influence you. So yeah, but basic personality styles, types. And then if we go into human design and astrology, that is, I would say, probably not so common, especially, and I can already... (laughs) Some people listening to this episode may probably roll their eyes when they hear about astrology and, you know, because it's still very much, yeah, woo-woo and out there. And yeah, some people don't believe in it, but whatever the case, it's also just, you know, a different system, a different way of just gaining more information about yourself. So astrology and human design, they are both based on your exact birth day, time of birth, and then also place of birth. So it's something that's really what I would consider like your natural design because it's based on really the moment you are born and how, well, in in essential, like the placement of the planets has influenced you and based on the assumption that it's not random when you are born, but it's like very specific and holds specific meaning. So without wanting to go into like too much detail, because both of those fields alone are absolutely huge. But astrology, something that it can really help with is just, you know, like the zodiac signs, they have different traits that we can then see in ourselves or in others. Also, depending on where exactly they are placed, you can get a reading like online, just get your natal chart for free. And then depending on where they are placed, it's different areas of their life, your life that um, are being more influenced than others. And then human design is more like a roadmap of your energy and how you are designed and meant to interact with the world. So also really super interesting, huge field as well. But yeah, those just personally had a huge impact on me. And what I also like about them is, yes, they can be applied to career, obviously. And regardless of whether you're an employee, your manager, or you're being self-employed, you have your own company, but they can just be applied to every area of your life, pretty much. And that's really what I um, find makes them so interesting. Yeah. So when you work with your clients, do you use all three systems with one client or is there specific ones for specific situations? What I like to do is just give like a very general overview and give them some information based on each of those systems, as well as just other things depending on the client. And then you can pretty quickly tell which ones they are more drawn to, also more open to. Like I work with clients and they just say, don't come at me with all this spiritual stuff. Like, I don't need it. So, of course, I won't go into depth of astrology and human design with them. I will still give them some pointers. And if that works for them, if that relates to them, like, great, they can go on and use it. But if they're more, 
you know, analytical, logical, scientific minded. Yeah, I won't force something on them that they're not ready for yet. And then on the other hand, yeah, just if I feel someone's really drawn to or interested in one of the systems, I will go into more of a depth of that system. But yeah, I use when we begin, like when we start our journey together, then use a little bit from each of the systems. Yeah. So you work with professionals or you work with clients that, again, maybe they don't want to do astrology based on what you said. What are some other common misconceptions when it comes to self-discovery and embracing your natural self? Yeah. So I would say, well, there's like two big ones that I would actually like to talk about. So first of all, and I think that is one of the reasons why people say, like, I don't believe in astrology, for example, that self-discovery is descriptive and it's not prescriptive. So what that really means is self-discovery is never going to tell you, like, this is going to happen in the future. This is how your life is going to turn out. This is what you're going to have to deal with. It's not like we're not looking into the future and making a prediction of your future because also we have free will. So whatever we are dealt with, we choose how we handle that and how we deal with that. So that is one thing. And then the other thing really, I think is like, you know, we've probably all like, we've learned some of our traits and some more things about us. And we've probably all said, why do I have to be like that? I don't like this trade. This is like a bad trade to have, whatever that is, but something that just where you think like, oh, I wish I could be different. And so just like the whole topic of weaknesses and bad personality traits and bad characteristics, I don't fully agree with that because honestly, it all depends on your perspective and also the situation that you're in. So what might be a weakness or liability in one situation or from one perspective can absolutely be a strength in other situations. So I always encourage like my clients and also just friends and family, when you learn those things about yourself, just try and stay a bit more neutral. There's not necessarily good and bad traits to have and more desirable and less desirable traits. It is what it is. And so if we can just accept that and be less judgmental and not put labels on it, it can take away a whole lot of resistance that you might have and can actually help you embrace more of who you are. Obviously, self-discovery doesn't happen overnight. So when it comes to engaging with you and your self-discovery techniques, how long does it take for them to really hone what they want to do with their lives? So when I work one-on-one with people, I usually aim for like, we start with at least three months just because we also like, yes, it's self-discovery. So like learning those things about yourself, but then it's also how do I implement that more into my life? How do I actually practically use it? So I'm not just here to dump a whole bunch of knowledge on you, but then I also work with them to yeah, integrate that knowledge and really put it into action. So three months at least, so up to six months or yeah, if they just want continuous support, obviously also longer, but so three months one-on-one to really go in deep is a good amount of time. And then I also do group programs, like very small group programs, and those are eight weeks. And obviously it's less individualized. So you still get a lot of knowledge and you get a lot of 
tools and practices to put it into action. But since it's not like I'm not necessarily helping you integrate it as deeply as we would one on one. Yeah, we start with eight weeks, but it's like to learn about it. That's not like what takes that long. And it's also, you know, we live in the age of the internet. So you can just go online and Google and you can pull up your astrology chart. You can find out your personality type. You can look up your human design. It, well, takes like 10, 15 minutes to then also read a little bit about it. So that doesn't take a lot of time, but to really integrate the knowledge, understand it as well. And then also observe yourself in the following days and weeks and months, how those things show up in your life. Like that's what takes the time and that what makes it really a lifelong journey, really. Yeah. So let's say after three months working with you, they figure out what they like, they don't like. Obviously their current career that they're in is not matching with who they naturally are. So what would be the next steps in terms of finding that career or that job that aligns with their natural values? Obviously, that depends a little bit on the specific situation. First of all, I would like to say that it doesn't necessarily mean like not all my clients go and quit their jobs and completely change their lives. That's not necessarily always what happens. You actually have a lot more possibilities to make changes in your career that you're in right now as well to really Sometimes it's just small changes, you know, human design, there's one facet of it that talks about environment. And this can be something as small as, you know, I used to have my desk that I work at facing a wall and I would never sit at it. I would just always like sit at my kitchen table or somewhere else to work. And then I looked a bit deeper into my human design and it talks about, you know, my environment is something called shores. So I always like to be at the border of things. So not necessarily water specifically, but where two environments meet. And where's the place in, in the home where that naturally happens? It's the windows where you are inside, but you look outside. So I moved my desk in front of a window, completely changed everything. And it's like, it's such a small thing that you can change and you can do that with many things in also your current career. Even if you work at a company, there's like small things you can change once you're aware of them. But obviously, if you find yourself in a job that you're already like frustrated with and you are longing for a change, yeah, we would definitely look at values for sure to see, you know, like, is the industry right? Is the role right? Would you maybe be better off being self-employed? But then also one exercise or something that I like to do with my clients is just visualizing their ideal day. So I will guide them through a process where they can just have their eyes closed and yeah, visualize the whole day from waking up to in the evening. And what is it that they spend their time on? What are they actually doing? And it's really surprising sometimes what you come up with. If you just, you know, have the assumption anything is possible and you are guaranteed success, like what would you actually be doing? So that can really help in finding a career that is better suited for you. Not just looking at okay, what am I interested in? What am I good at? And then, well, once you have like the different job options, how good is the salary and the benefits to make your decision, but have some different parameters to look at when making those choices as well. Yeah. So we've touched upon like how self-discovery can benefit you, how to use it to find the right career for you if your current career is not where you want to be at the moment. But how can self-discovery also help improve your relationship with others? 
Yeah, that's one thing that I really love about it. And that what that I was surprised to first find out when I started my journey. Because if you never look into it, you can very easily assume that the way you experience the world is how everyone experiences the world. And that couldn't be further from the truth. It's like two people can be in the exact same situation at the same time and have a completely different experience of it, have different things that I focus on, things that I don't notice at all, things that trigger them, that the other person is just like, I don't care about that. That doesn't bother me. So just becoming more aware of the different perspectives that are out there. That was one of the things when I first tested my Myers-Briggs, like my personality type. You have all these statements where you can go to one extreme or the other. You can fully agree. You can not agree at all. And whenever I was very much on one end of the spectrum, I would always think, well, that also means there are other people out there who will be on the exactly opposite end of the spectrum of this statement. So there's like a million different experiences out there. So that just gives you more understanding and compassion also for other people. And you stop taking things so personally. Maybe it's just like, you know, for example, you get in an argument and maybe you're someone who really needs to solve it at that very moment. Maybe you have a partner who needs to take a moment first, think things through for themselves and then regroup a few minutes later. So if they say, okay, can we like meet again in 10 minutes, you get like even more angry and you're like, why don't you want to talk about this with me when they're not doing this to make you mad, but it's just their way of how they are dealing with things. So to have more compassion and understanding for other people as well. And I think that's a huge impact on any relationship. Yeah. Obviously, as you discussed earlier, self-discovery is not an overnight thing. You do have, again, like three months one-on-one and then eight-week coaching program, right? Uh, but obviously, yes. like once the program's done, like your self-discovery work is not done, right? So with that being said, how can people continue to grow and evolve once they have a good foundation of discovering who they really are? Like, How do they continue this work on their own? Yeah, definitely to stay curious. So the same as when you start, if whenever something piques your interest, go and follow it. It doesn't have to make sense in that moment. It doesn't need to be for any specific purpose. Just staying curious and keep learning. Also keep asking questions. Keep, well, asking others, being open to others' opinions, but also keep asking yourself, like, why am I behaving the way that I am in this very moment? Like, what is going on here? What is happening here? Getting outside your comfort zone. I mean, that's always good advice when it comes to self-discovery, but in general as well. And also keep exposing yourself to different points of views, like get outside of your usual circle of like friends, your usual social circle, and just maybe do something or go somewhere you wouldn't normally and keep opening your perspective and your view of the world and just see where that's going to lead you. You never know what you're going to get with self-discovery. It's not like there's this one destination that we want to get to and then we're done. So it's really staying open to the journey. Speaking of which, when professionals reach out to you, they always have a goal in mind with their own self-discovery journey. What are some common reasons that they reach out to you in terms of self-discovery and how has their goals changed after they finish your program? 
I do tend to work with a lot of people who are in some sort of transition period. So whether that's, you know, people really just graduated like from college and now they're trying to figure out, okay, what industry, what career do I maybe want to go into if that's not necessarily a given with what they studied or what they went to school for. That can also be people about to become empty nesters. So like they took care of the kids, worked a job maybe, and now that the kids are all taken care of in a way, they find themselves in a position to have like more freedom also maybe to make some changes, to take more risks. And so, yeah, those sort of transition periods also moving to a different place. That also seems to be like a, a common thing, uh, a theme that people share that come to work with me. And I think that's partly because when we find ourselves in these times of transition, we are already sort of, I would say in limbo. It's like one door, one chapter has closed, but the other one hasn't really opened yet. So it is a time of uncertainty, but it's also really a time of opportunity to reflect and just take a moment to pause and to ask yourself some questions, maybe make some changes. So they are already in a state of just contemplation and just asking questions. And I think in those situations, self-discovery and the work that we do is just a natural continuation of that process. How about for yourself? You've done this self-discovery journey for uh, many years now. So what is your goal, so to speak, or where do you take your own self-discovery work in the next, let's say, five to 10 years? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I think consciously really doing this, looking into it must be almost close to 10 years now. Well, obviously, I want to continue to get to know myself more and just uncover all the layers that there are. There's, and of course, there's still like some things are some situations that I find myself in, things that I do while I'm asking myself, okay, why is this happening? Why am I doing this? So there's always more to learn. I don't think I have a specific goal in mind or like where I see myself in the next couple of years with my own journey. <laughs> So it's more about like continuing your work and then as you do your daily or regular self-discovery exercises, you'll end up finding out additional stuff that you'd be into, right? Which leads me to my next question in regards to when you work with like clients, when it comes to self-discovery, their goals obviously change over time. So what leads to them changing their goals? Is it just because when they get older, they want different things? Or when they started to go through this journey with you, they realized that what they initially wanted was not what they actually wanted? Yeah, a lot of it is really realizing that the goals that they thought they wanted, that they thought mattered, is really someone else's goals. Like something, maybe expectations that their parents had or just what they thought was expected of them by society, for example. Similar to what I did, I thought, well, this is what they want me to do. This is what is expected of me. So... I'm going to do it. But yeah, once I thought about it, also once I felt that this is not giving me any fulfillment, this has no meaning to me. It's just like an empty, like a placeholder that, yeah, is, to me has no meaning. And then really looking at what does have meaning to me. And then, yeah, that's when a lot of it changes. And that's when people change their goals and maybe they've worked in a career for a really long time, but it has never really fulfilled them. And then they look at 
you know, their values or what is actually important to them. And it all makes sense that this could have never fulfilled them. So yeah, I think that's the main reason when they change their goals. But also not always is this happening. Like sometimes I have clients come to me and they're like ready to burn down their whole life, so to speak. Like they're really, they're like, I want to quit my job and end my marriage and move to a different country and like make all the changes. And this happens as well. And I usually say like, for the first few weeks that we work together, just give it some time. And then like, let's start this process. Let's go through this process. And then let's come back and, you know, like four, six weeks and reassess if this is still the case, because sometimes it's just, yeah, we feel stuck and we feel unfulfilled, but it's not necessarily anything to do with our external circumstances. It's not necessarily our job or where we live or our partnership or marriage, but it's just that, yeah, we are just disconnected from ourselves and what we value. And so it's hard to feel any value in anything. So once we fix or like address that relationship that they have with themselves, things around them without changing anything, their perception of them and their experience of them changes. So that's also a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of that, so I you know my podcast is about helping professionals take their career to the next level. But in order to do that, they have to overcome certain challenges. So for you, Julia, what was one big career challenge that you had to overcome to get to where you are today? Yeah, for me, it was definitely just taking that initial step, quitting my job. Like, yeah, I said in the beginning, well, I noticed like I wasn't happy, like I was slowly dying inside. I quit my job, I went to travel. But that's like, that was not something that happened like oh, I noticed, made the decision, I left. So that was like a process that took some time because, yeah, I was very conditioned of, you know, you need to have a stable job, like you need to work. And also I put all this time and money in my education and then to just say, well, bye-bye. Um, I'm not going to use what I spent my time and money on. I'm actually going to pursue a different path. Like I had a lot of resistance to that. Also like the fact of just traveling for half a year it's more and more accepted now but like 10 years ago that was still something you know people didn't really take sabbaticals and I didn't know what I was going to do after that so also having like that gap in the resume if I had were to go back to like the corporate world to having to explain that so it's like you have all those questions and fears and to actually take that step that turned out to be one of the best decisions that I've ever made in my life but well yeah, it's easy to, to see that in hindsight. But for me, that was difficult to overcome. Also knowing that it would terribly disappoint my parents as well. So I only told them after I had already handed in my resignation and made the decision because I was really afraid being like still in my young 20s that if I were to tell them before, I would actually change my mind because they would be so disappointed. So yeah, it's not necessarily easy to take those steps, but in my experience, definitely worth it. Yeah. You mentioned about starting over, right? So when it comes to self-discovery, there is a possibility that you may have to start over. And as you said, you spent so much money and time in your education, and your career. Most people, even if it's not the right career, they don't want to start over. So what's your thoughts and recommendations for people in that situation? I mean, from my perspective now, looking back, it's so easy to say, just do it. It's worth it. But I can understand when like people are going to hesitate also because, you know, 
yeah, they may not be 100% happy or fulfilled, but unless the internal pressure of being like really unhappy and really unfulfilled, as long as that's not big enough, it may not be worth it to them to risk the uncertainty that it brings to quit your job. Like, sold most of my stuff, left my apartment. So like all of those things, really, I was in this state of limbo. But I always say like, if this is like some sort of your dream or you have those thoughts or you keep thinking about just, you know, ending it all and changing your job and like starting over, you don't have those for no reason. Like if those keep coming up and are very persistent, then yeah, I would say just try it and you can do it with some preparation. I mean, I also took some time. I was still working my job and I would just save all the money I could on the side to have like some sort of security. Also, I knew that if this doesn't work out, if I don't find an answer to my questions, if this is just a spur of the moment, well, I have the education and I have like the experience to just go back and find another job. I will always find another job. So that was like, I built myself this security blanket. And so, yeah, if it weren't to work out, yeah, I might not be able to go back to my old job exactly, but there's something that I can do. So maybe it wouldn't be the worst <laughs> or so bad what I imagined to be the worst that could happen. To end up our conversation, Julia, in your opinion, what is the ultimate goal of self-discovery? And what should people be mindful of as they start this journey? Well, definitely just trying to understand yourself as best as possible and just discovering more things about yourself so that you're not just living as if on autopilot, just sleepwalking through life, but really living consciously and knowing why you behave in ways that you behave and why you make the decisions that you make. But then also be mindful of not taking it to the extreme like yes it's good to ask questions but you won't always get an answer to every question like some things that you do you might not be able to figure them out and that's also okay like to just still have fun with it also just don't take it like so super seriously self-discovery and the self-discovery journey it doesn't necessarily have to be this huge life-changing, career-ending, moving across the country thing. It can be very small, very subtle things, but then those things can also add up. So don't think or don't be afraid to start this journey because you fear that it's going to upend your life completely. Like, it just doesn't have to be the case. <laughs> Again, Julia, I appreciate the time to come on my podcast to talk about self-discovery in regards to like, your journey and providing people some initial advice on how to get started on their self-discovery journey. So if they want to learn more about what you do and how you can help them, how can they reach out? Yeah, a great place to start, obviously, is my website, which is theholistictoolbox.com. And I also love connecting with others on Instagram. And my handle there is Julia underscore holistics. Thanks again, Julia. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you, Max. You too. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.